Yeah, I got you. I got I, you. I you. scrawled. You scrolled? scrolled? I scrolled. <laughs> you scrolled. It's not a bird, it's not a plane, it's superhero slate. It's a modern podcast where we talk about everything that's great. Like movies, TV, superheroes. It's superhero slate. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Superhero Slate, the show where we run down the latest superhero entertainment news. We love TV, movies, and superheroes, so let's talk it all out. My name is Chris Dillard. And my name is Mike Royer. And we are going higher, further, faster, baby, breaking down what we thought of Captain Marvel in this review episode. Yes, Captain Marvel review. We're going to hit you right off the top with our spoiler-free impressions of the movie. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as we always do, we'll dive uh, deep uh, further down faster. I don't know. That pun's not We're going to crash we'll, land we'll, in, into the spoiler yeah, section, yeah, probably. We'll crash land all about the spoilers. We'll talk about it all. But we'll, of course, give you a warning before mm-hmm. we jump into that. Uh, but, yeah, Chris, the movie's finally here. And yep. and and as quickly as, it, as it's over already for us, I feel like Endgame's already on the horizon. So I feel like <laughs> this is just like a, a brief moment in time that we'll have to just capture and stamp. And then we're just going to be moving on quickly to kind of the next big Marvel event. So it's actually pretty crazy that the first Marvel movie of the year is going to be almost just like a little bit of a, a speed bump, I feel like. I mean, I think you might we might talk about the box office of the movie either in here or in our normal no, news we'll episode. Both. We'll do both. Okay. So it's definitely not a financial speed bump. It's I, I, I think uh, the headline I saw that it was doing pretty well. well uh, but, but it is funny. Just in a couple more weeks, we're going to be talking about the main event. So We, we are under um, two months away from Endgame. Uh, picture Locked is this week, as I sent Mike a picture the other day. There are, mm-hmm. No more edits are being made to this. And I think, you know, when we talk about this movie and, and, and our thoughts on it, I think this is both a um, benefit for it, but also one hell of a, a boon for this thing to come up, to, to cross over for that hype for Endgame. Uh, it's just, just, it sucks being in the middle of two of the biggest Avengers movies ever. Like, no one's going to win at the end of that day. <laughs> Except for the Dis- box office. Disney Mike. wins. Disney wins yeah. the wallets. Uh, right <laughs> now, just to throw this out there, uh, it has rocketed to at least $153 million domestic. Wow. Uh, which is the uh, seventh highest opening for an MCU movie. Um, mm-hmm. Out of 21 now, that's really not too bad. I think uh, three Avengers movies, Civil War, Iron Man 3, and Black Panther are above it. So uh, that's great. It's also the... Uh, Sixth highest opening worldwide of all time with 455 million right now. Um, so this movie is not breaking records, but it is uh, a close second all around for for everything. Like this is this is up there. Like the only movies that beat this have been Infinity War, um, Fate of the Furious, The Force Awakens, Jurassic World, Harry, Harry Potter, and The Deathly Hallows are above it. Like, yeah, we're we're talking some top tier box office, nothing to shake a stick at, as they say. And you know, I don't think I've ever known the origin of, of that phrase of nothing to shake a stick at, but I think I get the general idea of what it's supposed to mean. Mm-hmm. But uh, but it, it's I unfortunately had to wait until Saturday to go see this movie, which is a bad thing to do. You always want to go to these primo uh, movie openings on Thursday nights so you can you can push out all the chaff that's going to show up to the movie theater on a Saturday. 
Uh, we had a family sitting next to us with a very young daughter, which great, bringing your kid to this movie. You got a you got a, a female rock star basically up there on the screen, just uh, killing it box office wise. Everyone's seeing this movie right now, but it's just like if your kid is can't pay attention to the movie you either don't bring them to the movie or you'd find a way to make them focused what you definitely don't do chris is you give them your cell phone and you turn the volume all the way down till it's one peg so every once in a while when the scene gets really quiet you hear their little like youtube video that they're watching it was insane i couldn't believe humanity has sunken that low that it's like i i don't i just don't understand people anymore chris so no more saturday viewings for me like uh, we had to push it because we just couldn't make thursday night work uh, we are dedicated to make thursday nights work moving forward for these films um but i just wanted to put some shame out there into the world people like bring your kids to the movie theater if you know they can handle the movie theater if they can't uh, get a babysitter. If you can't get a babysitter, I'm sorry. You're just not seeing the movie opening weekend. I don't know what to tell you. Be nice to society. So <laughs> that's my that's my mark onto it. So Chris, I'm gonna pass it along to you. Wow. If you have any if you have any interesting movie going experiences, let me know. But then please roll on to your spoiler free <laughs> thoughts of this film. I, I'd like to know what you thought. So I, I, we didn't really have that much. So our movie started 30 minutes late. Um, but they had a double sold, double booked some of the tickets, like some of the seats. So that was going Ooh. on. Ouch! But the theater had just switched over to a new. Um, every theater now has assigned seats in the theater, like the week before. So I think it was just one of those like fudging things. So it started. It, it didn't bother me. Like that's if that's the worst I got, Mike. I didn't have anyone with any phones <laughs> out. No one bothered me the whole time. Like you got it way rougher compared to me for once. Um, the only thing that would have made it worse, I think, is if they would have given that, that kid a bucket of uh, jalapenos for them to be oh dipping my their God. hands out with. Oh, God, the scent. That so, would have just been torture. I just think I just would have like put my hands up, like, nope, I'm just going to go to a different one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I applaud you for not going to get a manager. I would have I would have gotten someone in the theater involved at that point. Like, dude, fix this. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I think a lot of people have asked me my reviews. I've talked to a lot of people this weekend. And I've got to tell you, Mike, that this is a really fun origin movie uh, in, in terms of uh, you know, Marvel characters, a very fun 90s romp. Uh, I really love the, the setting. The it, you, it feels like it's in the 90s. I like re- I, a movie with you know uh, Samuel Jackson and Coulson and all these characters. I really love the actors. I really love the characters. But this story is so paint-by-numbers, it just doesn't rise above the bar enough for me to be like, hey... This is the best movie of all time, mm-hmm. um, but I also think it suffers. Like you, 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 it it's gonna suffer because we are coming off Infinity War. This movie is set in the '90s, so it has to predate everything we've known so far, and then also has to set up a character who will probably be a very large part of Endgame in you know less than two months. So mm-hmm. this movie had to set up a lot of stuff, and I think. Um, being stuck in the middle rather than being at the front of a phase uh, definitely doesn't do it any justice because I think we could have had a better story. However, that said, I love all the characters. I love all the actors. I want to see more uh, at the end of the day. So I think I think that's enough spoiler-free review for me, Mike, because it's very <laughs> hard not to because mm-hmm. a lot of this movie uh, could be considered spoilers uh, either way, and I, I don't want to go into it. But I think... Yeah, it's a fun movie. It's not the best. I think it's above the middle, probably in terms of like you know, good like Doctor Strange intro story. Um, uh-huh. And I really look forward to 
adding this to the front of my Avengers rewatch order because of the timeline it's placed in. So there you there you go. That makes sense. I think so. Mike, lay lay it on thick for me. Uh, how did you feel, one way or the other? Well, I think uh, when I think about this movie, I instantly start comparing it to other Marvel movies in the canon and in the franchise. And, uh, you know, when I leave the theater, I always try to examine kind of like the feeling that's in my body, like in general, you know, and I would say it definitely wasn't negative, but I would agree with you on points of story there. I was hoping for, you know, a little bit more. I definitely love the characters and they do some really unique decisions that I think everybody that painstakingly analyzes the MCU and where it's going to go had ideas of what they thought was going to happen. And then it kind of goes a different way. So I kind of appreciated some of the overall decisions that they made but there was genuinely points in this movie where I got bored which hasn't happened in a really long time uh, in an MCU movie so I think I would I would kind of put it down there with like like some other of the weaker origin stories uh, uh, but you know I gave it a little bit of a pass because they're trying to introduce you know a brand new character to the MCU like you said uh, they got a lot to set up uh, it almost feels like they're um It feels like they're trying to place this movie into a slot in the 90s. Like they've had this kind of this grand master plan for the MCU ahead of us. And everything's kind of laid out really, really well. And whenever they've decided to maybe put in a slot in like a new movie that we haven't seen before or a new character, it's always been easy for them because it's added to the front of the timeline. It's just all moving forward. But now they're trying to add something into the past. And it kind of feels like a cog that just doesn't quite fit into this this big franchise, into this big cinematic universe that we've connected so there's some kind of rough edges there when you're watching the film but overall I really liked and enjoyed uh, Brie Larson's uh, character she was really fun and energetic and I can really see her meshing with the rest of these with the rest of these heroes, which is good. That was the that was the number one thing that they had to do was introduce Captain Marvel mm-hmm. into the cinematic universe. So basically, we can add her in with all of our other action figures that we love and just have a good time and play. So that's good. I'm glad that they did that. But yeah, I would agree. The story was a little sloppy. The 90s stuff was cool, but sometimes it got a little too ham-fisted for me. And there's a it, it hit a couple pet peeves for me of movies in general, not just about like uh, specifically superhero movies, but I'll talk a little bit more about those pet peeves in the spoiler cast because I don't really want to, I don't want to give anything away, but you know, I think I saw the Rotten Tomato when I got out of the movie theater was, you know, around like kind of the mid to low 80s. I, I think that feels about right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wouldn't put this up there with my, you know, Winter Soldiers or my Civil Wars or my Avengers movies, but you know, I kind of it kind of felt like, you know, like kind of like an Ant-Man level uh, feel vibe to the movie. Obviously, the humor and tone is different, but, you know, with kind of like the quality that I see, you know, it's good. The great thing about the MCU brand is even kind of when you fall short, you're usually still a head and shoulder uh, above kind of what's come in the past. So, uh, but yeah, I was kind of hoping, you know, a little bit for more. The MCU's been around for more than a decade. You, you kind of don't want to see any more paint-by-number stories. You're kind of hoping for something a little different um, but there's definitely more positives, but I, I don't think I can reveal anything uh-huh. else until we quite jump into it. So I don't know if it rises to the level of disappointment, but, you know, was definitely hoping for more, but it's still very easy to recommend. It's hard for me to not recommend any MCU movie out there. Like if Thor The Dark World 
was coming back to theaters, like I, I might go see it just because like, you know, there's still some good stuff in it. So um, I, w- I wouldn't. <laughs> you wouldn't, I, I wouldn't right. know. <laughs> I think I think you kind of nail it on the head here. This this movie ha- is there's a puzzle being built here, and there's only a few pieces left in this puzzle that you can put a movie into. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is one of the, like the final three pieces, and it had to fit that mold to ease into that 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 puzzle slot very easily. Yeah, it and, feels like they got the scissors out a little bit to kind of trim the puzzle piece. Like, well, no, we'll get it to fit. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> but I really think you know. Again, like we said, it's a solid introduction on this character, and at no point did I ever. Like st- did not I was never taken out of the movie because the characters and the actors are so strong though, and mm-hmm. um and I I really want to talk about those and those are so like caught up in the the spoilers and review section like I can't now but like I just it was so they they made the the what could have been a a much worse script elevated above that middle middling bar I think because mm-hmm. if it, it handled by worse actors this could have been a horrible like crash landing like we talked about earlier yeah and one thing we can easily say without going into spoilers that de-aging technology is pure magic Mm. i never once thought samuel l jackson wasn't back in the 90s for like a second they're doing some amazing things with that technology i don't know what specific studio is pioneering that i don't know if like disney bought up some special effects studio to do that or maybe just disney pioneered it from the very beginning but who's ever at the forefront of that algorithm like bravo like that was so convincing i think it was almost so convincing because it is indeed samuel l jackson Mm -hmm. on set and sometimes like you see samuel l jackson is like I feel I can almost kind of see the old Sam moving uh, with a young face on him, which is actually kind of funny to see. So it almost kind of just looks like it looks like a young Samuel L. Jackson just after he ate Thanksgiving dinner. Not necessarily size wise, but just kind of like a little lethargic. So that was actually kind of funny. Like, but they do such a good job with those faces, man. It was just it was pretty shocking. So that they can they can do anything with movies nowadays. It's it's nuts. Yeah, and uh, one of the standout characters. We'll talk about here in a second. They also did really well with. Yeah. Anyway, I think. I, yeah, I think you know I what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking <laughs> about. But uh, yeah, I think I think uh, like so it's, a, it's a solid recommend from us. Not you're not going to go in. You're not getting after Infinity War. Like our levels, our our standards are so high, Mike. Like you can you can you can agree to that. Like, mm-hmm. and then we have Endgame, and those standards have been raised even higher. And this movie, it just like it's right there in the middle, and you're like, "What do you do with you? Like, you know, you're not going to pass the Avengers. Like, you can't pass the hype for these two movies. So, you know, I, I think that might affect our thought process just just a tiny bit, but I still solid recommend. Yeah, for sure. So, ready to talk about some very spoilerific details because this movie has tons of them. Yes, let's go into it. Let's talk about spoilers. We're going to talk about post-credit scenes. I'm sure Chris has a, a handful of Easter eggs that he's going to whip out for us. So I'll whip it let's out. Jump, let's jump into it, man. I think, first and foremost, spoilers section here, that Stanley intro tugs at your heartstrings, oh, man. Oh, my gosh. I wasn't prepared for it because I, I knew I knew we talked about it on the show last week that we were going to get this uh, we were going to get this tribute, I, and I just totally forgot, and then it was literally the first thing you see, and because I start to see the Marvel logo coming in, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I love it. Like That's like the that's like the seal of quality. Once I see that Marvel logo running in, then I start to notice it's just a bunch of stands, and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, and I was like welling up a little bit, and then after we got out of the movie, I was talking to my wife, and she was just like, no, I was, I was 
was getting a little teary too, and ah, it was just it was so beautiful to see that. And also matched with his, which with his cameo on the train in the movie. Oh, yeah. oh it was it was beautiful. It was very much so, and and like you don't expect it so soon. Most of the mm-hmm. tributes are waited till the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but they'll, they'll punch you, man. They punch you right in the face. They're like, "Watch this! You have to watch this! You can't look away!" Mm-hmm. And you're like, "Oh, that's a good that's a good intro. That's a that's a solid tribute." Um, without detracting from the movie either. I yeah. Think, I think that's a great and, way to do it. Yeah, and if you're unfamiliar with the script that Stanley was reading on the train, it yes. was his, one of, I, I think maybe one of his first cameos he's made yeah. in a movie uh, of uh, Kevin Smith's Mallrats. Yeah, I don't know if it was, like, he's done cameos in, like, those Hulk TV movies and all those other older mm-hmm. shows, uh, but maybe one of his most iconic ones are, like, in the 90s, yeah. and he was practicing his line and the timeline that. lines up because I believe this movie was set in 95 and Mallrats technically came out in 95. So really, if you look at it production wise, he probably would have been studying his lines in 94 and not 95. Well, but his, his we're line, all, his we're, one we're, line. <laughs> his line. We're, so we're okay with letting that go. He, he had more than one line in that movie. He actually had like he was giving the main character advice. It's a fun movie. It's not a movie for kids. Uh, but Mallrats is a really just fun, ridiculous movie with tons of nerd references. Go oh. check out Mallrats. You'll get a little bit of Stanley. You'll get a bunch of nerd humor. So I can definitely recommend Mallrats just out of out of that cameo. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think one of the things that I didn't predict was actually I should have was the scrolls being not the villains, Mike. Oh, I loved that twist yes. so much. Because when it happened, I was just like, look at all these nerd predictions just turn into dust and fade away. We yeah. all thought we were going to get like a big secret invasion story arc like in Phase 5 or something like that. What hero out there has been a scrawl the whole time? Was it Hawkeye? Is Hawkeye an alien? And we haven't known it for these past 10 years. And then, no, they end up being the good guys. And they just kind of write off that whole idea of doing secret invasion, which would have been, which would have been difficult to pull off to begin with but they, well, they could have made it work they, but i do like the idea of circumventing that whole idea of what we know from the comics I, well we can still do secret invasion just like any like kree or humans there are good humans and bad humans like there could be bad scroll scrolls out there that could be doing this but they don't have to set it up right now for sure because there's something about that scene where uh, talos's daughter sees him being shot like she wasn't supposed to see anyone get killed but she saw him murder some people so something about that maybe set up for a sequel later she maybe come back as an adult in in another movie i don't know so they could still do it but this isn't the secret invasion setup we all thought it was going to be so mm-hmm. uh i think if people are mad at it it's mad because they didn't see it coming uh because it actually gave some heart to these characters like the green skinned pointy-eared aliens are not the villains the whole time yeah, once we saw Talos come to that farmhouse for the first time, you know, everyone was still really on edge. You know, there was a scrawl, the, the scientist scrawl out in the yard, you know, uh, mimicking the mother, and it was still a tense scene. But I was like, I'm kind of liking this scrawl banter going on right now. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's not devolving into a fight. And then all of a sudden it starts to go, and they're good guys. Yeah, it was fun. I liked that. Those were kind of some of my favorite parts of the movies where we just kind of got the pat pal around with, like, some aliens. So I thought that was... uh I thought that was kind of cool. And, and Ben so Mendelsohn really is a great actor in that role. Like, uh-huh. like once you like, you're like, oh man, he's gonna be evil and sinister like every other movie he's in. And then he comes out, mm-hmm. he's like, he's actually pretty funny in this role. <laughs> um, I also want to call out Mike. Can I, can I make? Can I say I called this? 
the cat took his eye. The cat <laughs> scratched his you, eye out. I called this. You, you called it. So okay, let's let's talk about this moment. Um, maybe not briefly, but uh, you called it. Now, are you glad that you got it right? Are you glad yeah, because, that's the origin of his eye? I am because we've all built it up to be this big mythological, like outstanding story Nick Fury went on and he lost his eye and come to find out he just trusted the damn cat who was a flurkin the whole time to scratch his eye but he's telling the story like at some big event later on to Coulson so uh, I have I have very mixed feelings about this scene uh, or, or the whole thing in general so I, I personally don't like that he lost his eye to the flurkin slash cat but they kind of, for me, redeem the moment in that office scene where Coulson thinks, you know, oh, did he burn your eye out because you wouldn't give him the information where the Tesseract was, which we'll have to get to the Tesseract in a moment. I wasn't expecting that either. And then he's just like, I won't confirm or deny. So I do enjoy that he was also kind of uh, indulging the mythos. But yeah. in my head, if he was going to lose his eye to the cat – I want it to be a little less of an innocuous scene. It, it's it's funny on 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 its concept of he loses his eye to like a cat alien. You know, there's nothing you know there's nothing necessarily wrong about that. But I felt like the scene just kind of went on by because I I believe in the movie he also had a he also had like a scare of his eye. He got like punched in his eye and then someone's like, well, "Oh, are you okay?" and he's like, "Oh, it's just a scratch." So I kind of thought they were kind of going to do this thing throughout the movie where, "Oh, we think his eye's about to get about to get knocked out. Oh no, he's fine." I thought actually at the end of the movie we we might not ever see how he lost his eye. It might be an unanswered mm-hmm. question. And then when it's just kind of like is just kind of like swiped by the cat real quick, I I it happens so can, fast. <laughs> yeah, like I can understand how someone could lose their eye that way, but it wasn't really as gory as I thought it would be because we see his eye in its full nastiness at the end of Winter Soldier. He like peels it up and it's like all gross well, and gritty. So I like the cat gave him an infection well, yeah, that went so, along with the scratch, I guess. Yeah, so, well, he, <laughs> it's not, again, it's not a cat. He's a flurk and he's an alien beast because he can actually, the flurkin can hold the Tesseract in his little pocket dimension in his stomach, which is really cool. Um, so we don't know, like, I, I mean, I'm going to go on and something. Yeah, he scratched it. He didn't, the scratch didn't take the eye because the scratch cornea can heal itself, but maybe it was some sort of alien thing that, that got him. Like it wasn't, yeah, so it wasn't that. I just felt like if they were committed to this, to this idea and this joke, which is okay, there's nothing wrong with jokes in my Marvel movie. I think they just needed to go a little bit more over with it so that moment unfortunately was kind of just lost on me you know it seems like some other people like really dug it but let's go i want to go into the cat a little bit more since we're vibing with it i i feel like we are going to be on opposite ends of the cat um uh, maybe because you have a cat that looks exactly I like I do this have an cat orange cat that, that eats a lot and is very large, and <laughs> she is my personal flurkin at this point. The, yes, the flurkin is very strong with that one, as I said when you yeah. sent me a message after I got on my screening. So my my problem with the flurkin in general was I think I needed a little bit more out of it. Like, okay, if you're going to have a cat that looks like an alien, or maybe even on some far planet they literally have flurkins and they just happen to look like cats i need to see some sort of process here of why this house cat has tentacles coming out of it like is this is this its true form yeah this is what this is what it looks like yes 
I th- it, I think I needed I needed some sort of explanation there because I just felt like we were just kind of like half-heartedly like this is what we're gonna do we're gonna throw a cat on the screen and tentacles are gonna come out of its mouth it's just like well what what what's what else is happening here like is it cloaked we the whole movie we're kind of seeing aliens take different forms so I thought that was going on with this cat so I just I was hoping for a little bit more effort with the cat well I th- that's what I wanted Chris I, well I think the thing is we think it as a cat but everywhere else like every alien except. Captain Marvel, or she may have even known, um, but Fury knew it was a flurkin. Like they like they saw it me like, oh yeah, you stay away from that because that is dangerous. Uh, someone, um, I believe, it was super fan Jim said it reminded him of that creature in the Force Awakens that Han Solo and Chewie are are dealing with. Oh yeah, what are those called again? I, I don't, don't even remember. I don't their remember. Names. Yeah, um, but I get what you're saying. I think Ra- Ragnars, Rathnars, or something like that. Um, yeah, but sure. <laughs> but I, I really Riptars. enjoy the cat because like again. <laughs> We assume it's a small, innocent kitty cat, but in reality, it was this. It, it is more than meets the eye, and it wasn't disguised or hidden. That's just really what its form was, and we just didn't. See. Because again, some of like it's it's kind of set when some of the Kree look like humans. Um, and the example of like Marvel and uh, Yonrog and uh, some of some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you nailed something on the head here. Um, when you said what what did you need out of this cat, Mike? More. This movie needed more everything uh, throughout. Uh, I think we feel I feel cheated by the flashbacks uh, in this movie where she like crashed the go kart or fell down the rope at military training or some other stuff because the flashbacks were never really fully explained. They yeah. just kind of showed them and you're like, oh, she fell down, she's getting back up. But like, I'm like, I wanted some more context around those flashbacks. Yeah, because we don't really. I mean, we can't really connect with her on as a character in her past you know all we can really see as as a tragedy that she went through is i mean really what i mean what is like what is the uh, emotional pain point for her Uh, I mean, it was, I guess, maybe when we first introduced her that she didn't know her past, but then once she learned her past, she just kind of seemed to kind of get back on her feet. Never really felt like she had a whole lot of, like, negative forces pushing down on her, um, except for, like, her Cree superiors, which she kind of shed those bonds pretty quickly. I think think that's what it was. I think think her her biggest boon and, and her biggest thing was, like, don't tell her no because like mm-hmm. you can, don't tell her she can't do anything because she will. And I think that came to head whenever um, Jude Law wanted to fight her at the end. He's like, "Fight me like this," and she's like, "No, to hell with you! Like I don't have to prove anything to you." And just blasted him into the rock, which I was like, "That's actually pretty cool. Like that's pretty badass." Because I'm like, any other person, like Captain America, would have tried to fight him, or like Iron Man would have tried to fight him. But she's like, "No, I don't have to do this." Um, but I wanted more. I wanted like you know, I you know, we got the 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 Mar- MCU version of Marvel, which was played by Annette Benning, um, mm-hmm. whatever the doctor's name was. And you know, yes, it's a girl. I don't care. It's a woman. Captain Marvel doesn't mean anything to me before Marvel. Like I don't care anymore. Like Carol Danvers is Captain Marvel and she succeeded in that. So a lot of people are like, Oh, well it's, it, it's not the real Marvel. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But I, um, I wanted more out of her a little bit as well, that character. Um, but I'm glad to see she got a lot of screen time as playing both the Supreme intelligence AI and, you know, all right, I want to I want to talk about the supreme intelligence because this is one of my pet peeves in movies in general. I don't like it when a movie makes uh, like a villain or some sort of overlord just kind of like this generic idea. 
you know, especially when they say like, oh, it's an alien or it's this force that your your human mind won't be able to comprehend. So in order to make it easier for you, it'll take the form of, you know, something more familiar. They even kind of poke fun at it in like a past season of South Park a while back where it's like a ice cream cone. Well, Lego, or Lego a, Movie taco. 2 did that. Yeah, exactly. And I just, I just don't like the whole concept of just you're you're literally constructing a visual piece of entertainment a movie like if you want to do that in a book or something like that's fine but like don't tell me as an audience member that there's something that i can't comprehend and you're never going to well, be able to see so it that just that just really you, that really bugs me as you, a as an audience viewer you missed the point on that they didn't show it cuz you can't comprehend it they missed it because it's a religious thing to them like this is sacred you will never see it because it's sacred not because you can't comprehend it now, your, your point's valid. Have you ever seen the supreme intelligence in the comic books? See, and that's what I was thinking, too. I was like, I don't know exactly what the origin of it is in the comic books, so I don't know if they're being authentic or maybe whatever it is in the comic books. They just didn't want to go that way. It sounds like you have an answer for so me. So <laughs> in the comic books, it's a very um, – it's a large, like, three-story-tall head in a floating glass jar. Imagine the Zordon, but uglier and green. I think that would have been really cool I- because at least, like – at least I could have like actually like imagined like a physical presence of somebody like so, oppressing her. So like I think we are going to get that though. Like I think they're leading to that because they are like oh it's this AI con like you, we connect to it via technology now. And the other one is just like it absorbs you and you become part of its intelligence thing. Mm-hmm. I think we will get it in this. They just. I, I mean, I don't. That would have been a hell of a lot to add into this at that point. I mean, I, I agree. I wanted to see it. I really do. But I think the sequel to this movie, which could be set in the 2000s, we don't have to pick up after Infinity War if we don't need to. We can find out what she's been doing in the meantime. Could be coming up against, again, Ronan because he got shafted on screen time. Uh-huh. Like, he was a hologram the whole time. Is that right? Like, yeah, some, yeah, or something he, like he's that. He's on the ship looking at her at one point. Like, oh, great. That's real. Really, I'm glad we got Ronan back for this guys. Look at him. Yeah, um, he didn't really, he didn't really do a whole lot. Could have been and anybody. Also, and also, when they go into like this kind of uh, AI construct, I never really feel like there's a whole lot at, at stake. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they have to do. You have to do a lot of work to make an audience feel like there's something on the line when you're in some sort of kind of like dream world you know you either need to make the whole movie focus around it like inception or you need a whole franchise like the matrix Matrix, buying into it because we all know our hero's not gonna die in this like ai thing and if she did it would be the most anticlimactic death because she would just fall over in a spaceship with a bunch of cords connected to her and and then in the simulation you're not really sure what the rules are it's just like so is her brain fighting a computer in the simulation what's going on and then when you cut back to the real world, she's just kind of like powering up, connected to these cords, and then these dumb idiots are just like watching her. Basically, what, I was like, free. I was like, any good soldier would have shot her the second she started to flare. <laughs> like, no one's just standing there like, oh, I guess she's gonna get us, guys. Uh, but I, I do want to point out two things about this. Okay, the little mm. thing on the back of her neck—they use that in Agents of Shield to control the Inhumans' powers. Yeah, the little inhibitor chip. Through the yeah. movie, I was trying to remember t- uh, that part of that like first half of the last season. I was like, oh yeah, what did the Kree do there? And I guess it, you know, it's not really going to connect a hundred percent because technically that's an alternate future and this is the past. So I was trying to like yeah. reconcile all these different things. But I was like, yeah, they it's, did have a chip, didn't it's they? Still, it's Kree technology. But mm-hmm. this also brings me to another great point, Mike. I loved. Mm-hmm. 
the radio style music choices in this. The actual, not the soundtrack soundtrack, but the music choices in this. So you're talking about I'm Just a Girl and Nine Inch Nails. No, well, they didn't play any Nine Inch Nails, believe it or not. They only had the shirt. Uh, we, uh, oh, no, they played Come As You Are. They had right Nirvana now. in that yeah. scene. was yeah. cool. Uh, you know, I'm Just Girl, No Doubt. I mean, it started off. I made I made it actually made a Spotify playlist for these songs, and I linked it in our regular show notes, Mike. Oh, nice. Thank you very uh, because much. Because I really enjoyed a lot of these songs. I mean, even we had Salt and Peppa, What a Man, uh, <laughs> Only Happy When It Rains. Uh, I mean, there's just so many good songs. I mean, we got Nick Fury singing Mr. Postman in, in <laughs> Doing the Dishes. Uh, but I really like the song, so I put them all together because I'm like, oh, this is 90s. Like, this is 90s music. Mm-hmm. Like, I really, really had a good time. Nick Fury does not eat his toast when it's cut diagonally, by the way. We're all going to just remember <laughs> that. Fun fact for the rest of our lives. Um, but I really like the music in this. I, I, I Spe- Speaking of the 90s, Chris, I'm going to make you feel extremely old. Oh, God. Me as well, and anybody that remembers Blockbuster as being a franchise a business that you I didn't, could actually walk into. I didn't have one of those, so I was too far out in the wilderness. <laughs> well, you are definitely familiar with it. So uh, on my left in the movie theater, there was a, a slightly less younger girl who actually could actually watch the movie. Uh, unfortunately, uh, she would lean over to her mom quite a lot and ask questions, which got, bugged me a little bit. But, you know, it's not the worst thing that I've ever experienced. But uh, I don't know about your theater, but when Carol falls through the blockbuster, it's a it's a little bit of a humorous moment. Uh, it's kind of the first time you see Earth. You kind of root it to a time with a blockbuster. That's from the trailer. Of, like, it's not like yeah. it's a surprise either. Like, you're like, oh, exactly. I know what this scene is. Yeah. And then there's the, there's people in the theater that are laughing because they're laughing at the fact that it's a blockbuster. And then the, the girl leans over to her mom. She's just like, why is everybody laughing? And she just didn't understand the context of, like, the 90s because she wasn't born in the 90s. She was probably born, like, at seven years ago or something yeah. like that. And uh, it, it was just like, oh, I feel so old. Like, she doesn't even get this reference. So uh, I thought that was that was pretty funny. Uh, so if you take your kids young enough to this movie, they're, they're going to feel like they're watching a movie out of, the, like, the 70s when I watched movies, like, the, back in the 90s. They're not going to get the payphone. They're not going to get the joke about the computer loading, all that dramatic tension around the computer. Mm-hmm. Like, what's it doing? It's loading. It's loading. <laughs> oh yeah, it is. It's, they're not going to get that kind of attention, um, you know. And it did kind of. It, it kind of. It was funny because it reinforced the point where uh, I I forgot which character said it, but like, oh, have you ever been to what did they call the planet Sector Fifty Three or yeah, it's like C Fifty Three or something like C Fifty Eight. C50 whatever it was and like oh have you ever been there it's like yeah it's a shithole yeah. and I was just like hey I live here I was like I think this is pretty nice but then in the context when they come to the planet they just see all these hairless apes the that, backwards uh, are, technology that, that just have these computers that are so slow and they have all these holograms so I was like oh that actually is kind of funny that was context, Minerva actually. who said that who come to find out was with uh, um, Jan Rog she's the one who shot uh, Marvell at the end that was that was a throwback line actually or for uh, I guess a uh, What's it for forewarning or foreshadowing kind of thing? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think I mean it's fun. What do you think about the suit changing scene? I am right down the middle on the suit uh, changing. I mean, it seemed pretty uh, inconsequential. Like, I guess she just has the ability to, to tweak the colors at any time. Yeah, I think it's like time. depends on the mission. <laughs> like, they can go to do whatever mm-hmm. mission they need to uh, at the time. Uh, yeah, I mean, it probably would have been a little bit more, uh, uh, a little bit more. Uh, Dramatic. Might have made a little bit more sense if maybe at the beginning of the film when they were going on their stealth mission, maybe they, they kind of maybe they cranked it all down to like black or I something. I really or something. wanted to see more missions with their team. Like, there's so much more I wanted in this movie, like out of these characters, because like 
some of the people she was like, we, we got we got back Korath from Guardians. And my wife was like, hey, is that the guy from Guardians? I'm like, yeah, it is. But what did he do? <laughs> yeah, I was kind of waiting for the scene of how does he get away? You know, how does he... How does he get uh, the head implants? Like, wh- why does he leave... Yeah, we didn't to see... To be with we didn't, Ronan. <laughs> we didn't see none of that. So that kind of goes into uh, my other pet peeve of... I talk about this on the show a lot, prequelitis. When you're making a prequel of a pre-established like, franchise, uh, your whole audience kind of has an idea of where it's going and what's going to happen. You can you can make it entertaining by grounding it into the stakes of like individual just characters and their emotions, but overall, we kind of know where where the film and the larger universe is going. You know, we never thought the Earth was at stake for right. a second because this is the '90s and it sticks around. So when they're trying to like kind of connect this movie to the franchise. Uh, you know those those things kind of made me a little a little eye rolly. So, like at the end, yeah. I mean, like are, at the end, we could talk about Nick ahead. Fury. Yeah, when he's kind of oh, deciding like to call it the initial Avengers Initiative, I was like, I don't think that was a, like a tack on that I needed. It, it makes sense that the that the events that he goes through in this film teaches him that he needs to come up with an idea to save the planet because what we have is not enough, you know. But it just seemed a little ham fisted of just like, oh, I literally got the name off the side of her plane. It just kind of felt like I, we've only had one Captain uh, Marvel movie. And I felt like, uh, and we've been with all of these other characters for so long. It just felt like uh, just being with her for two hours hadn't really earned the uh, haven't. Ha- the, it just felt like the audience hadn't well, earned it I yet. Think, you know, I think the audience and Nick Fury being the starter of that did. I think since he was the one who came to Tony Stark at the end of Iron Man One, like if you put this movie first and then watch Iron Man One, that makes it make a whole lot of sense. But since we're watching it in retrospect, it's a way different world. I would love to be someone watching this movie for the first time and not seeing any other Avengers movie. Like yeah, that would, would that would be a trip. What how, rock were they living under? <laughs> well, but like, like, well, imagine kids born next year watching this in like ten years, and they get to watch it in the order that that actually makes sense or it come like takes place. Being able to see Ronan and Korath come up later in Guardians, like, oh my god, those are the people from before. Would be awesome. Now I think where does the sequel go? Like, I, I want to talk about this po- the first post credit scene, Mike. Yeah, let's do it. This is very important because this is, I believe, is just a scene from the movie Endgame. Yeah, it felt like the the one that we get at the end of Winter Soldier, right? Or is it the end of Civil? No, Winter Soldier. No, or is no, it Ultron. No. Ultron. Uh, no, it was it was the next movie. I want to say it was where Doctor Bu- Strange or Ant Man. Is Bu- it Ant Man? Where Bucky's, yeah, because he's like, oh, I it's know a, a guy. It's Ant-Man, yeah. yeah. So okay. it's Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. So, like, literally they show us a scene from Endgame where the pager, they found this pager somehow. They found where Nick Fury was. I, I don't know mm-hmm. how they've done this yet. Captain America still has a beard. Black Widow still has her short hair. And this pager has gone off. Like, they can't power it anymore. And, like, why did it go off? Keep resending it. It's in a special chamber. Uh, it looks to be like a scene, like right, like almost near the front of the trailer, where they're showing all the people who've died. It's like the same mm-hmm. building, and then they're like, she just shows up with like super long, like longer hair, not super long, but like much longer hair, mm-hmm. and she looks frazzled. And she's like, "Where's Fury?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited! Like, yeah. why, oh, wait, and, this is what we need." And this goes into your your theory where we talked about the Super Bowl spot a few weeks back, and you said there's a scene where they're out on the like grassy knoll of the Avengers complex, and they're looking up in the air, and there's this awkward kind of space mm-hmm. that's missing, and it's just like somebody has been removed from that shot. It makes sense that it might be Carol Danvers, uh, you know, just hanging out with waiting to see who's showing up. She's I, like, I think <laughs> the people landing would be then Nebula and Tony Stark. 
Um, Because I'm not going to tell anybody anything. This is all secrets. But the Disney shareholder meeting was this week. And Uh I believe they showed one of the scenes right after this. And the the problem with this is, Mike, the Mm -hmm. scenes they're showing these people may not be in the movie. So what do you take as real? Like, what do you take (laughs) as face value? Yeah, that that, that makes a lot of sense. But this one in the movie was real. Like that, they can't they can't fake out a, an in credit scene. I guess if you know what I mean at the end of it. Mm. Um, but uh, even though we missed twenty something years and she hasn't aged a day, we don't know why she's been traveling the cosmos with the scrolls, finding them new homes. I want to see what she was doing in there. I want to see her taking the fight to the Kree with the scrolls. I want to see Talos. Uh, ben Mendelsohn again. I want to see. I want to see some of the, that action, and they could pull a Guardians too, where the next movie takes place a couple years later, and it's not necessarily in the timeline where it's released. And you know, speaking of time really cool. in general, we've learned one very important thing from this movie is that the MCU has decided to just ignore time dilation. Which makes total sense, you know. I don't think a movie has to be grounded a hundred percent, a hundred percent in like astrophysics, you know. Mm-hmm. But basically, if you're not familiar with time dilation, like the further you get away from Earth, uh, your your time is not. It's all it's all relative. So if you basically flew all out to another galaxy, you know, went and got coffee with Star Lord, and you came back to Earth, you know, Earth is going to be you know two three hundred years in the future. Like it, it will feel like you have time traveled. So it seems like they're throwing that concept out. So well, they have, even though that was a little, they have little the wormholes thing, though. We don't know how the wormholes work, which I wanted to mention. Yeah, Those yeah are, that, that could be true. They could be jumping, but it seems like we're not going to have to worry about this weird thing of like you know when Star Lord finally makes it back to Earth. Like what year is it going to be or something like that? I'm just kind of glad we've kind of got an idea that they're not going to do any sort of mm. weird weird thing like that because you know if Tony's all the way on the other end of the planet by the time he gets back, you know Pepper Potts might be 80 years old. You know, right? And I think I mean I. I don't know how their warp points work, but they look pretty cool with the hexagon shapes. I mean, they're they're keeping very consistent with what they've already preset on those things. Because um, mm-hmm. they're big in Guardian. I think Guardians two didn't they use a couple of them? Yeah, um, and there was um, the formation that kind of like that Nova Squad took at the end of Guardians one was also kind of hexa- hexagonal. Yeah. So I think it's just kind of like that uh, visual story language is pretty strong. I want to throw in one more thing here um, before I forget is she is technically powered by the Tesseract. And yeah, which I thought was interesting because Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver were both kind of created from that stone as well. Well, no, they came from the scepter. Oh, yeah, that's right. And the scepter is the time the, stone or the mind stone. Mind, mind stone. Okay, so she is just a kind of another person born of the Infinity yeah, Stones. Yeah, and she absorbed essentially all of that engine like power, mm-hmm. which was I, I'm pretty sure is Tesseract power. Now, if we remember in the Avengers, Mike, I just want to throw this out here. You. Uh, Selvig says you can't fight against yourself and use the Mind Stone to take down the Tesseract. If she's powered by this energy from the stones, maybe she has the ability to fight against the Gauntlet more so than any other Avenger does. Mm -hmm. And they kind of bring that up in the last Avengers movie in Infinity War where it's like they they told Scarlet Witch she's got to be the one to destroy it. So yeah, it sounds like now they got another tool there to fight which is and she seems extremely powerful i mean she's taken out entire spaceships so it seems like 
you know, that's something it seems like Thor could possibly do as well. Uh-huh. It seems like she's stronger than Thor, but it seems like they could kind of go toe-to-toe if you kind of wanted an interesting, like, fun sparring match there. So she seems incredibly powerful, so it'll be interesting to see how she teams up with the Avengers. Um, Fighting, but, I know, want to see her fight Thanos. I, yeah. I like her giddiness at the end when she was punching the ships. And that awesome reference to independence day where they're in the canyon fighting the spaceship was pretty cool oh yeah anyway my 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 favorite scene in the movie which kind of gives me a lot of hope where her character could go was i love the scene at the beginning of the film well where she her hands were caught in those gauntlets and she escapes from that thing and she's like she's running around barefoot she's got the like these iron mitts on she's fighting people i really like the sound effect that they use when she tries to fire her hands and the and she's still stuck and it kind of makes that noise i thought that was a really cool and then one of the scrawls kind of yells at her and she just yells back at the yeah. scroll i love that type of personality and speaking of the theme of more if we could have gone back to those flashbacks and maybe solve the kind of root of her character kind of what gives her that kind of spunk you know to be able yeah. to just like scream back at a scroll i would love to see that origin of carol yeah. danders but i i thought it was really interesting the the kind of flashback mechanic that they use where the scrolls were kind of narrating like no 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 go back okay now focus look at the name tag i thought that was a really clever storytelling device that i've never really seen before usually it's just like oh we're reading your mind you know oh we read it we downloaded it or we skimmed through it real quick but it seemed like it was it was a little rudimentary almost like well we can look into your mind but we, you know you kind of we got to put you in the right place and we got to play it back a couple of times so i thought that was really cool um, so I thought that was really yeah. clever. Uh, but the thing is, that happens at the very beginning of the movie, which means pretty much the whole audience knows her origin. We know we know she's human. We know she comes from Earth, and she doesn't know it. And it's kind of a pain watching her catch up to where, what we all know. Yeah. You know, it's like, come on, okay, go through the facility, look through the files, find a picture or something where you're on it. It just seemed like it took forever ever for her to realize what we all knew already Mm -hmm. so i think that was one really lacking part of the movie where i was just like come on i'm really bored right now please just get this going we all know what you are there were they tried to i think throw in several twists but though like i said one one twist was paint by numbers that would Mm -hmm. that's the one that's like yes we know what that the kree probably mind wiped her duh like we, we can see that a mile coming away the scroll one was the actual the fun twist that they're not the bad guys at the end of the day. Yeah, and I wanted to know why Marvel was on Earth doing this research. Like, I know what the research was for to end it, but like, why did she need to specifically go to Earth and that, work among humans? That's where like, the Tesseract the- was dropped in the first Avengers. Yeah, but it seems like, you know, you got spaceships, why don't you just grab it and just like, you know, GTFO, like, and, and why were you on Earth training, you know, pilots, you know, why, why, why weren't you just like up in your little floaty spaceship? Why didn't you go back to the Cree planet, you know, to work on it, you know, so I, I, there was a lot of mystery there, I thought could have been really cool. Like, why is this alien mentoring this human? And, you know, well, I, I that's think, the story that I really wanted to know. Well, they kind of touch on it a little bit that, that Marvel had empathy for every other species that's why she kept all the scrolls on her ship um so that way no all the all the kree couldn't find them all those years like the six years yeah. she was gone i think she had yeah. empathy and wanted to be amongst like 
the less the quote unquote lesser beings a little yeah, bit. Yeah, so it's like so it's like she was like a Cree defector. So I, yeah. I, I would have loved that point to be a little bit more forward. Like why was she you know, yeah. why and how did she run from the Cree and you know, it seems like maybe that's how you open up your film. You know, maybe that's kind of like your you know, this is kind of like T V language, but that's your cold open before you see like the you know, the Captain Marvel logo, like maybe Marv Marvel escaping and landing on Earth and but, finding but the I Tesseract. Think, but I think that would have gone against the twist knowing that that she was there as a Cree. Like you think she's just a regular scientist for most of it. Um until much, I mean, we know, but much later they they tell you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There's there's a lot to be desired in this movie. Like, I think that's this is it's, it's a good movie in that terms that we want more, Mike. Like that's yeah. when you don't want more of a movie. Like that's what, kind of what I felt with like Venom. I'm like, I don't want more. <laughs> like <laughs> no more. Uh, this is where I'm like, I want more of this character so bad because there were so many good good things in this and. Yeah. Um, I- I love I love Brie Larson. I I want more her screaming at scrolls. I love that. Yeah. Uh, um. I w- I want to hear what people think about uh her as a character in general. I I saw some people talking online, and these were evenly keeled people. You know, not those crazy lunatics out there that are bashing it just because it's a female led movie. Just don't ignore those people. They don't need any attention. Don't even go attack them because they're not even worth the effort. Just let them just they'll burn over. they'll burn out on their own. Yeah, exactly. Don't even worry about them. But I I was seeing like some real analysis of people saying like, you know, you know, what is, you know, what is care uh, what is her character, you know, what's her major strife, you know, what's, you know, what's her what's her main flaw? And we don't really get to see a whole lot of flaws in her in this movie. So I'd like to see them develop that more. Like maybe she doesn't have many flaws because really she only knows at, for most of the movie, she only knew like six years of her past, so maybe oh. she doesn't have time to really develop any. Because even Captain America, somebody who is almost seen as a perfect Boy Scout, kind of has the flaw of like pride. You know, he, he doesn't really think he's ever wrong, whether it's good or bad. You know, he'll sacrifice anything for his friends, Bucky, even if it's kind of well, like you know against the law. So there's a little bit of flaw there, but I felt like we didn't really we didn't really see her weakness. They kind of touch on it a little bit in that. It's her temper is her problem. Like, remember when he's like, control your temper, control your temper, control your temper. And that's to keep her in line. Now, if you put her in a team of Avengers and she gets mad at somebody and just goes at it, she's going to throw any plan or anything off. She's essentially kind of a high-powered wild card at that point, um, which we may see develop later. I just don't think we there was nothing... There was no time or anything to develop in this one per se. So. Yeah, I just I, I would have loved I would have loved to have seen that. So maybe we'll maybe we'll get that in the sequel, but uh, or, or in game. Uh, yeah, I guess I I guess we should touch on the the last end credit scene before we kind of uh, sign out here and uh, go into our uh, our news episode that you can watch or and listen to uh, on our feed. So make yeah. sure you're subscribed. But uh, watching that cat puke up the Tesseract, I grew up with a cat that had a, that actually had like digestive problems and puked a lot towards the end of its life. I'm not trying to get too, too in depth, but cats puke. And that's exactly how they look when they puke. Someone did oh, their yeah. research. Well, it's <laughs> funny because like the, the goose took on like a role of like Groot there at the end where he like took down the whole hallway of people with his mouth and was like mm-hmm. smacking them up against everything. And then he's like, why do you have the cat? He's like, well, we'll find that Tesseract someday. And, like, yeah. cat, hurry up and throw it up. And then he does on the yeah. table, which is pretty funny. Like, I, I love the cat. The cat is, is is one of the standout characters as well. But also, I like really, like, Ben Mendelsohn's, like, 
he's like nonchalant. He's like, "Oh, have you ever been to space? Is it always this rough?" And like, "Yeah." And then he and he looks over. He's like, "No, it's <laughs> he's not." Like, yeah. And he did that with the cat. He's like, "Oh, this cat scratch is fine." He's like, "No, it's not." Like, no. It, so why would I turn into a filing cabinet? <laughs> yeah. So um, there's just there's some really good things. It's not the best movie, but like as you say, like we, we're having fun with this, and I think it's a fun movie while not being the best movie in the world, and and that's that's still okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a you know double-edged sword hosted by your own petard whatever you want to say when you have a line of so many successful movies that you know are knocking it out of the park ballpark wise i mean uh, box office wise and also like uh, uh ballpark wise you know, as well yeah exactly <laughs> you know when you when you come to like a a movie that's just not as stellar as the other ones it you know kind of sticks out unfortunately so uh, my predictions would be i would want a sequel not in the past or if they wanted to do it in the past maybe do something where you kind of jump back and forth to post end game and you know Cree, you know something there like i just don't want to go to the past anymore i'm just i'm just a guy that's very sensitive to prequels in general and we're going to talk about some prequels in our news episode so make sure you're subscribed so i you know i just i don't like going back i always want to go forward you know go higher further faster uh, don't go back anymore so uh, i'm okay going forward i'm okay with it being set like five years after the other one in the middle of everything just maybe even setting this could be the setup for the next cosmic phase of movies, Mike, since we're not probably going to get Guardians 3 before the, the sequel. Um, yeah, this like, I could see that. Like, it, it could introduce us to a lot of characters that exist out there without, I mean, it's like Guardians Guardians, and Guardians who never touched the Earth MCU, which was okay. They only showed up later when they you know needed to. You know what would be kind of cool? You know what would be kind of cool? Because I've been thinking Earth is starting to seem less and less special the more and more we jump into these cosmic beings and these cosmic stories, which I think it's important to make sure that it stays special because that's where the entire MCU and all these characters are born out of. So it would be kind of cool if maybe whatever adversary that they want to create after Thanos starts to recognize Carol Danvers, one of the most powerful beings in the in the, in the the universe. She came from Earth. Uh, we got... Um, Star-Lord. Captain, you got Star-Lord who came from Earth. You know, maybe Captain America is the one who ends up killing Thanos that was an earthling maybe somebody gets the idea of maybe the earth can't be trusted these humans somehow have this special ability to just um, well that's that's exactly how Avengers 1 ended they were like oh earth isn't nearly as weak as we were told mm-hmm. and that could be word that stretches I mean I, I assume yeah. Galactus Galactus is probably gonna be like this world has creating powerful people maybe if I go eat it it will quench my hunger <laughs> like seriously yeah. like I yeah that could be we, it if it's in that yeah that realm we, we we gotta keep earth important that's the that's the root that's the anchor for the world for our audience for like this the sympathy that's the stakes mm-hmm. whatever you do you can't let earth get destroyed so hopefully they'll find a way to keep that uh, what if they start that tone cloning going? earth somewhere like they find like a some like someone's making copies of planets somewhere would be else weird. well it would <laughs> be but like weird. then you find like another earth and you're like like i don't know like you can still have an earth that like people are fighting on but like why are they i don't know there's 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 something in there i don't know what it is but i want to see i want to see cap i want to see captain marvel in this segment at the end of the segment get the pager from fury or like get the page from fury's thing and that's mm, that's what, how the second one ends what's she in the middle of you know yeah to me she's she's literally on the kree home world like taking them down and then they all start mm-hmm. disappearing or like either the scrolls she's protecting start disappearing in half mm-hmm. and she's like oh shit what's happening and then the pager goes off that would be yeah. a really dramatic ending i think for this yeah that 
that would be pretty cool. So, but then again, that, what do you do? Like, you know, they're gonna get dusted in the future. Like, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, exactly. There's, there's a double-edged sword. Double-edged. Yeah, sword. and and if uh, and if Agents of Shield, you know, is canon, even though it's an alternate future, it's still kind of technically a future with Kree. So it's like if the Kree are all dead, or I don't know, if there's no more bad Kree. Where do these bad Kree come from? Mm-hmm. Uh, who knows? <laughs> we'll yep. see. But. Captain Marvel for you. Uh, it's an easy. It's an easy recommend. It's probably yeah. not going to hold up to the likes of some of the top tier, like Winter Soldiers or uh, uh, Avengers. Uh, maybe standalone Iron Man's out there. But you know, I think it plays. It plays ball pretty evenly with you know Doctor mm-hmm. Strange, the Ant Man films. So uh, yeah, go check it out. Definitely do that. Mike, if people want to know what you're up to, that Captain Marvel merch, I know you're repping. You're repping some of that, aren't you? No, you're not. Uh, where can they find you at? <laughs> well, they can find me at Mike Royer Design on Instagram and Twitter, and you can read my web comics at pickledcomics.com. Chris, if you want to keep up with you, see what you're doing, you're going to C2E2 pretty soon. Uh, Chicago's premier Comic-Con Expo. Uh, where can they find you and follow you? You can find me on Twitter at Valdan, V-A-L-D-A-N. Head over to Instagram, Valdan87. I will be at C2E2 in two weeks. My birthday is next week, Mike. Don't Ooh. forget that. Uh, so we might be recording. A, I might be recording a little groggy. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, you can do that a little, there. A little yawn groggy, if you will. Yawn groggy. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. No, that's bad. That's bad <laughs> even from my standards. Um, you can also head over to Comic QI. Mike, if people want to listen to our regular scheduled news show that goes on every week, where can they find that at? That's right. Uh, if you want to hear more uh, us waxing poet- poetically about superheroes and everything in between, you can find us at superheroslate.com. Uh, and you can also subscribe on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. We'll put it where you want it. Let us know what podcast service you're using. And if it's not there, we'll put it there for you. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and you can get merch, 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 merch at superheroslate.com slash store. Uh, we love hearing from you. Uh, drop us a line on our YouTube comments you can reach out to us on twitter you can send us an email let us know what you thought about uh captain marvel where you think it's going where you think it matches up in the mcu are you excited to see her pop up in endgame uh hopefully we'll be able to get up those endgame tickets soon I, maybe we'll talk about that in the news soon uh so make sure you subscribe we love hearing from you if you want to be a super fan of the show all you got to do is share the show with a friend share the show with a buddy and we will be here every week and we are about to record that news episode so stay tuned everybody yes uh send us pictures of your own personal flirkin, I would be very happy to see yes. your flirkins. PM Chris your cats. That's right. That's all I want to see. And we will catch you guys later. Alright, bye. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe. Let me pull up the cast here. I'll fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs>